Welcome back, everybody, into the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. We appreciate you once again joining us here this Sunday evening. It is already February. We are now halfway through the Big 12 Conference basketball season, and TCU took the court for a pair of Big 12 games this past week. A big win on Tuesday over Texas Tech at Schollmeyer Arena. TCU picking up its fourth win over a ranked team this season. 85-78, to 78, the final score, setting up a momentous occasion at Schollmeyer Arena yesterday against the Texas Longhorns. Kenny Hustle in the building for his jersey retirement. Several other TCU legends in the building as well, but the Frogs not able to capitalize on that momentum, dropping a home game to the Longhorns, 77-66. to 66. We will break down... Both of those games and detail what's to come for TCU men's basketball. We will also talk about TCU football. The Big 12 schedules are out. TCU has its opponents for 2024. We will look at that and talk about what we are excited for and maybe give some early predictions for the 2024 TCU football season as we had some uh, former Frogs taking the field. Last few days for some of the senior showcase events, we had three TCU players in the East-West Shrine Bowl, which was held on Thursday, and then the Senior Bowl, the biggest one, the most notable of the senior showcase events yesterday in Mobile, Alabama, Jared Wiley, Brandon Coleman, Amani Bailey, all doing great things there. So uh, a very heavy slate of TCU content this evening, and man, I, I said the basketball season for TCU is is kind of zooming by here where we're getting to the very end of the prep sports winter season here as well. I had a, a regional wrestling tournament to cover over the weekend, so I was pretty busy with that. And we got basketball regional tournaments coming up. Uh, we have sectionals coming up as well. So uh, a very fun time of the year for me to to get around and travel to some of those postseason events and uh, see some of the athletes from the area compete and uh, accomplish some of their goals for the season. So a lot of, a lot of exciting work stuff for me and uh, should be a pretty exciting slate of things to discuss this evening as well on the podcast. Yeah, man, I love that we're getting into the spring seasons as well. Um, you know, beach volleyball is going to be starting up soon. Baseball is a couple weeks away. Um, and and tennis is full steam ahead right now. I got to go out today uh, to see TCU tennis, men's tennis take on Tennessee. It was a super exciting match. Um, that TCU fell down early and we can, we'll, we'll probably get into it later, but, um, it was really exciting. And as always encourage folks to go out and, and check out this men's tennis team. They are top notch. Uh, but TCU had a big time come from behind win to take down number six, Tennessee, um, it, it, a real thriller and, and big eruption of emotion there at the end. So, um, love that we're getting, you know, back into the swing of, all of these sports happening all at once. It's it's a fun time to be here in Fort Worth and go check out these games. Good time to follow the Frogs. And we'll tip off the podcast this evening with TCU basketball. But first, this episode, of course, is brought to you all by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Go to charliehustle.com. Get your TCU Horn Frog merchandise. Use that promo code FROGSOWAR. Get 15% off any TCU items. We're very excited to be continuing our partnership with Charlie Hustle into 2024. So Anthony's got his Charlie Hustle frog swag on. Uh, they dropped a brand new TCU basketball hoodie as well. 
go check it out, charliehustle.com. Use the promo code FROGSOWAR, 15% off. We also offer our exclusive promo code with prize picks through our partnership with the 1012 Network. If you are interested in playing daily fantasy sports, consider downloading the prize picks mobile app or go online to prizepicks.com. Use the promo code FROGS12. That's FROGS12. That gets you a 100% deposit match up to $100. All right, let's rewind a few days back here to Tuesday as TCU basketball returns to Schollmeyer Arena, fresh off a exciting, thrilling triple overtime victory over Baylor, a ranked win for the Frogs on the road, coming back to Schollmeyer on Tuesday to take on Texas Tech, who replaced Baylor as the number 15 team in the country in the most recent poll. TCU getting back into the top 25 with that win over the Bears coming in at number 25, setting up for a ranked showdown in Fort Worth in the Big 12. And man, these guys, when they play their former teams, I mean, we saw it with Avery Anderson against Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago, had a great game in his old gym. And Micah Peavy, the former Texas Tech Red Raider, showing out with a tremendous shooting performance, 18 points, went four for four from three-point range, had five rebounds, four assists. He was doing it all. He was making big shots. Trey Tennyson, again, outstanding offensively for TCU in this one, 23 points to lead the way, made seven field goals, four of which came from three-point range. TCU dominated the free throw category in this game. The Frogs were aggressive. They were drawing fouls, getting to the line. 24 free throws made for TCU in this game compared to just 10 for the Texas Tech team. The fans were not happy in Lubbock about that discrepancy, but it's college basketball. That always tends to go that way when one team gets to shoot more free throws than the other. But uh, what the Red Raider fans can't complain about is TCU out-rebounding Texas Tech 34 to 27, 12 offensive rebounds for TCU in this game. Ernest Uday had seven rebounds in total, was very active on the glass, was a big factor. TCU forcing 13 turnovers in this game, scoring 17 points on the fast break and ultimately coming away with the win, 85 to 78 again. Fourth win over a top 25 team for Jamie Dixon and the Frogs is that win moved TCU's record up to 16-5, and five, and it was the fifth Big 12 win of the season for TCU. Um, Anthony, I want to ask you first about Micah Peavy, because last week we talked about him a little bit. He had a couple of nice games offensively last week, but this was really fun to watch. We've seen him at times when he's feeling confident from three-point range he can knock down open shots and it was a huge difference maker for TCU in this game. TCU made 11 three point shots in this game shot just over 50% from beyond the arc. And anytime you can have a player go four for four, uh, particularly one that's not known for laying it, uh, letting it up from three point range. That's a, a big boost to your offense. And it was just really exciting to to see Micah Peavy. We know he's a great defender. He's a good cutter, a good, uh, baseline mover to the basket. He can score on uh, offensive rebounds, putbacks around the rim. But uh, seeing him shoot the ball from the perimeter the way he did in this game was exciting to watch as a TCU fan. And you hope that it's a 
a springboard of sorts that he can build off of this game moving forward. And maybe he had a, a little bit of extra juice going up against his old team. I'm sure that always helps as a, as a competitor. But uh, what were your thoughts on what you saw from Micah Peavy in this game? And just how important is he going to be to this team over the second half now of the Big 12 schedule? Yeah, I think my favorite part was seeing a Texas Tech account call him Michael <laughs> Levy, Micah Levy, uh, for having left. I think it is a pretty hilarious text. Yeah, or, or tweet. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess this is his former team, but I mean, that was that's so long ago now. I mean, it's like Emmanuel Miller having Texas A and M as his former team. I mean, it, this guy's a horn frog, and and. Uh, through and through but to go four for four from the three-point line is is as unexpected uh a result as as you could have here i think i mean (sighs) pv has improved his three-point shooting but like you said that's not really his game he Mm. has been terrific this season on creating turnovers getting out on the fast break his his driving and scoring and playmaking ability has really improved this season. Um, but to light it up like that from the three-point line, and certainly uh, Texas Tech fans were a, a little bit flabbergasted to see him make uh, 100% of his shots from behind the arc. That It, it, was, it was absolutely a game-changer, um, and, and TCU needed every bit of it. I mean, the the final score ends up slightly more lopsided here but really this was this was a contest all the way through i mean tcu needed every bit of everything it got from him from trey tennyson i mean tennyson also hit four threes he happened to take eight of them but you know this was another terrific performance from tennyson leading the way for the horn frogs um and you know, I was also extremely impressed with Jacoby Coles in this game. Um, I, I think there's, I don't know if it's something about playing against Warren Washington, uh, the big guy for Texas Tech who uh, was on Arizona State last season, uh, who, of course, Coles hit the big shot to to take down Arizona State in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Washington is a, is a seven-foot guy that plays like he's six feet, I, I guess. I mean, TCU dominated the rebounding stats here, um, uh, dominated in the paint. And, you know, I think Cole's shooting stroke really has picked up the last few games and, and into the Texas game as well. Um, so I think if, if Cole's is going to get hot and Peavy's going to get hot, you're, you're able to have a little bit of a slower night from Avery Anderson, a slower night from Jameer Nelson, and still come away with uh, a, a pretty. Uh, you you walk away with a big another top fifteen win in this conference. Yeah, and it was a a slow night for Jameer Nelson after a explosive outing against Baylor, where he scored thirty points and went eleven of eighteen from the field. He did struggle a bit in this game. I think finished one for eight. But I'm glad you brought up. Jacoby Coles because he made four free throws, I believe, in the final minute of this game to help close out the win. I was following along, and you know, Emmanuel Miller was at the line late in the game and went 0 for 2 from the free throw line. And and Tech came down, I think, and hit a three pointer after that and got within four or five points. And you you start to get a little uneasy, uh, even though you're playing at home there. But uh, Jacoby Coles, that's that that's the Jacoby Coles that we saw last season, uh, who was coming through 
late in games, making clutch shots, uh, making big plays. And of course we saw it in the tournament as well. So to, to see him come through with a, one of his best games, I think off the bench all season, he finished with 12 points. Again, those free throws late in the game were huge. And it, it was really nice to see that because he's been kind of struggling to get into his rhythm offensively and finding his role. You know, he was a starter at the beginning of the season, uh, along with Jameer Nelson, they were both moved to the bench. And I think the team as a whole has, has really benefited from that. But uh, as a player, it's, I'm sure it's a big adjustment going from playing in the, in the starting lineup to coming off the bench. Maybe you're not on the floor as, as often, or you're being used maybe in a different way, but uh, for, for Coles to, to come through with 12 points off the bench in this one was huge. And I think for me, the, the last big point, was TCU took care of the basketball in this game, much like they did last week against Oklahoma State and at Baylor. Uh, TCU in 55 minutes against Baylor only had 10 turnovers, and I believe only 10 turnovers for TCU in this game as well. So they they did a better job of of taking care of the ball. Texas game, not so much. We'll we'll get to that in a few minutes. But um, for, for, for TCU moving forward, being at the halfway point of the Big 12 schedule now, I think this team is has proven itself to be good enough to be in a position to win any game it plays against any opponent as long as it takes care of the basketball. Um, when TCU is committing fewer than 10 turnovers a game, they're either winning or right there to win it at the very end. When that number balloons up to 15, 16, 17, uh, 26 turnovers, like, like the 26 turnover game against Iowa State, you're, you're not going to win, especially in this conference. So uh, I, I was pleased with that, was pleased with the rebounding as well. Ernest Uday uh, was very active, again, on the offensive glass. TCU had 12 offensive rebounds. Texas Tech only had four. And Texas Tech was the team with the seven-footer. Uh, going up against the six six eleven Ernest Uday, so uh, was very pleased with that. Um, I'm not sure if I have any other thoughts on this game, Anthony. Any other things on this game you want to touch on? Yeah, a couple things briefly on the uh, questions about the officiating in this game. I I understand when you look at a box score and you see the discrepancy of, you know, 14 free throw attempts to 32 free throw attempts for TCU. I I understand why there is some uh, pushback about that. But part of that, there's, there's two things on that. One is, that is the way these two teams play. I mean, Texas Tech is not a attack the rim kind of team. Uh, Pop Isaacs is... Uh, a shooter. He, he does some of that driving. He'll throw your shoulder into you and 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 head to the rim ever so often, but for the most part this is a team that is content to um you know swing the ball around and get an open look. And which it was not they they were knocking those shots down, so you're not getting to the line in that way. TCU was happy to attack the rim against Texas Tech. And yes, they were they were shooting threes pretty well as well, but um the majority of the the action um on the court was, you know, getting out in space and running. 
and attacking the rim. And and you're just going to take more fouls that way and get to the free throw line more often. Um, you know, there there weren't many calls where it's like, ooh, that's we'll take that call. That's a that's a home cooking call. I mean, there might have been one offensive foul call that that could have gone either way where um it's a little bit of a scramble for the ball and and the Texas Tech player kind of runs over a TCU defender. Uh, you know, was was that was that a questionable call? The call on Pop Isaacs where he's shooting a three and uh Xavier Cork is coming to to uh to block the three and Xavier Cork lands, he doesn't touch Isaac and uh, Pop kind of like throws himself around and and throws his legs all over the place to where um uh, the officials call it I don't know if it's the flop call or if it's the you know they they hit him with a with a charge there and you know that's a call that if you're going to if you're going to act that way sometimes you're going to get that call from the officials sometimes you're going to get that call against you from the officials and and in that case they got the call against him i mean that's you know he could have done nothing and the call could have gone he would not have been called for that foul so uh you know Pop Isaacs had a great game. I think this is something that TCU has been pretty problematic with this season is how do they stop a hot shooter? Um, it it happened pretty bad in the Texas game. It's happened quite a lot this season where if one of these three-point sharpshooters gets on a roll, TCU, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a defensive alignment thing or a personnel thing, but TCU is not very good at stopping that kind of offensive attack. Uh, so it's going to be something to watch continuing going forward. If if TCU can adjust and find a way to stop guys like like Isaacs, like Max Asmus, that uh, for Texas, who ended up going off in the final minutes there, um, where if you know if TCU is going to struggle against teams with talented bigs and teams with good shooters. Well, you get into the NCAA tournament, every single team is going to have at least one of those. Um, and if you make it to round two or the Sweet 16, every team is going to have probably both of those. So you're going to have to figure out some way to adjust defensively um, on that. So uh, I think I, I'll, I'll close it with that. But um, I, I think TCU very clearly has some things to clean up going forward as well. As big as this win over, over Texas Tech, it's a it's a big big win, but it comes at home, and you know I think TCU is going to end up floating in this uh, between seven to ten seed throughout the rest of the season, unless they get one of these big huge wins like Iowa State coming up at, uh, next Saturday. Yeah, the only thing I'll add about the officiating, I think we we've all come to accept, and not just TCU fans, but Frankly, every school in the Big 12, uh, when you watch these basketball games, you just hope that the officiating is not bad enough to where it's going to influence the outcome of the game. Uh, you should expect a pretty mediocre product from the officiating side of things. But uh, as long as it's not like the Kansas game where it clearly has Directly a impact. direct yeah. impact on the game, uh, I personally will do my, my best to avoid uh casting blame there when there could be things that maybe a player or the team as a, a whole could do better. So 
Uh, I think as a whole, TCU fans were very pleased, excited about this win over Texas Tech on Tuesday. And it's set up for a big time Big 12 showdown against the University of Texas. The Longhorns coming to Schulmeyer Arena this weekend. Kenrich Williams, former TCU standout, currently playing in the NBA with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Back in Fort Worth to have his jersey retired. Kenrich Williams going into the rafters. Several TCU legends back in the building as well. It was a very exciting afternoon, a very exciting premise. The Barstool Sports donating horns down t-shirts to the students in the student section students stampeding through the concourse (laughs) trying to get their seats trying to be the first ones in there uh everything really was pointing upward for tcu leading into this game and you felt that if tcu could win this game over texas extend that conference winning streak get to six wins in conference you're you're probably in the top four in the conference standings and you're sort of solidifying your status as a contender in the big 12 moving forward. But there was a basketball game to be played and (laughs) perhaps the, the anticipation and the excitement was a little too much because Texas came out and really controlled the first half led 43 to 32 at halftime uh, a struggle for TCU defensively in this game. Max Abemis finished with 21. He was the the leading scorer on, on both sides in this game. And TCU just couldn't make up any ground in the second half. Just kept pace with Texas, was not able to put together any big runs. And there, there wasn't a, a standout individual performance in particular. And uh, what could have been uh, an opportunity to really blow the roof off the stadium with a big win, you instead suffer your most lopsided loss in Big 12 play so far. The final score, 77-66, to uh, TCU losing to the unranked Texas Longhorns, who came in as four-point underdogs. Uh, Dylan DeSue finished with 15-7. and seven. He always seems to have his way against TCU. I think he had a couple big performances against the frogs last year. Mitchell, the other forward had a double, double 11 rebounds TCU. What I was not expecting from this game was to see TCU get dominated on the glass the way that it was. Texas out rebounded the frogs 34 to 21, 12 to two on the offensive end. And the two big guys for TCU, Ernest Uday, who, I've been very happy with over the last couple of weeks has been very active on the glass, did a nice job against Texas tech played 14 minutes in this game, did have two block shots, but he had zero rebounds in 14 minutes as the, the biggest guy on the floor. I mean, Texas has two starters that are forwards. One is six, eight Mitchell. And then DeSue is six, nine. Uh, so it's not like Texas is coming in, like Cincinnati, where they could put multiple seven-footers out there at one time. Um, Uday, in 14 minutes, had zero rebounds. Xavier Cork, off the bench, played 13 minutes and had one rebound. So your top two bigs played 27 combined minutes and scored six points with one rebound. Uh, Very disappointed there. Was not expecting that. 
And the, the rebounding was a huge reason why TCU fell behind in this game because Texas was getting extra shots. They were getting opportunities to go to the free throw line. And, it, it, you know, the, the effort just didn't seem to, to be there in the first half. Texas really came out and controlled the, the opening portion of the game. And, you know, another thing for, for me that stood out was the turnovers. Um, we're going to talk about the turnovers seemingly on every episode, but this week was kind of like a tale of a tale of two games. You have the Texas tech game where you're, you're controlling the ball, you're forcing the turnovers, you're able to get out and score on the fast break. And this game, you had 10 turnovers in the first half. Um, Jameer Nelson, Avery Anderson, Trey Tennyson combined for 10 turnovers in this game. Another rough game offensively for Nelson. He was two for nine from the field and uh, Texas's head coach uh, Rodney Terry had some interesting comments after the game where he, he it was kind of a backhanded compliment. You know, he, he praised the TCU guards said that they were good, but also said that they struggle with ball pressure. And that's something that we specifically talked about on the podcast last week was watching the Cincinnati game, the Iowa state game, TCU really, really struggled against guards who were physical, who guarded hard on the perimeter. And I think Texas saw that on film and felt like they had the athleticism and the defensive ability to to take advantage of that weakness on the TCU side. So um, I think that's got to be one of the big takeaways from, from this game is the scouting report is kind of out on TCU's guards that if, if you have the capability to guard hard and pressure the ball, TCU will turn it over. They will throw it away and that can create opportunities for transition points and easy layups at the other end. So I was disappointed with the turnovers in this game and I was disappointed with the rebounding, especially TCU actually didn't shoot the ball very poorly. They shot 50, both teams actually shot 50% from the field and TCU went seven for 12 on three point shots. So it wasn't like TCU was going cold, but Texas was getting extra possessions because they were getting all those offensive rebounds and they were getting some easy buckets, uh, capitalizing on turnovers as well. Yeah. I mean, you hit the big things in this game, the offensive rebounding for Texas that TCU allowed in this game was, uh, just disastrous. I mean, to it, it felt like every time down the floor, Texas was getting multiple chances to score, and they end up with seventeen second chance points in a game that they win by eleven. Um, you know, TCU ran out to a big lead and had every opportunity to continue extending that lead. Um, but, but you let Texas chip away at it and eventually overcome you. Um, and then you just, you, you turn into a total, uh, pumpkin in the final four, five minutes. I mean, absolutely, um, very, very bad basketball down the stretch. Couldn't get any shot to fall. I mean, like four straight layups that miss, um, on, at the end of this game, um, you're, you're missing free throws. Uh, 
you and then and then Max Aismas does eventually he was going to get his. I mean, he TCU held him down pretty well in the first half. Um, I think he had two points. He was one for five in the first half. He ended with 21 points. So Mm -hmm. he went absolutely bananas in the second half and he scored nine straight points at one at one point in the final few minutes. Um, You know, over uh, TCU missed a bunch of shots down the stretch and Texas made all their shots down the stretch. And that was it. I mean, um, you know, this this game was right there for the taking into those final four or five minutes and TCU just completely disappeared um, and, and fully let this one get away. Uh, the the turnovers, just some ugly turnovers. And, and we talked about it in the Iowa State game, uh, a little bit in the Cincinnati game where these lazy passes that when, when you're throwing that pass, it's, it's automatic two points at the other end. Um, and uh, got Nelson on a couple of those in this one. Um, you know, I, man, for Jameer Nelson to come off of that game at Baylor where he's a superstar and he scores 30 points and TCU gets the big win, uh, to follow that up with, you know, a three for 17 over the next two games mm-hmm. is, is really, really rough. And it really hurt TCU in this one. Um, you know, man. Um, the other thing in TC only missed two free throws on the game, but it was a Micah PV 0 for 2 for again for the second game in a row. He has an 0 for 2 uh, free throw performance that that was a moment in the game where TCU had a chance to kind of continue putting putting pressure on Texas here. And um, you know, this is a game that I think it, it really does. It hurts you in the, the conference standings. Like you said, this was a team positioned to be the way the, the Big 12 is shook out this season is even at the top, there is full time parity. I mean, Houston is losing games. Kansas is losing games. Really, like Iowa State is very much in the in potentially in the driver's seat here. Um, and you've got them up next. You know, TCU could have been very much in that fight for a top four in the conference um, finish, where you get that double buy in the conference tournament. I think that you're you're in you're in deep water here now. I guess. I mean, TCU has perhaps the easiest part of its schedule remaining. Um, you know, you've got two West Virginia, you've got UCF, you've got Cincinnati at home, you've got. Um, you know, Texas Tech at Texas Tech, that's a that's a tough game. This Iowa State game is is a very tough game, but much of the most difficult part of this schedule is done. So to to lose this one where you're probably counting on this one as a win to really have the ceiling of this season be met, uh it's it's pretty disappointing. Um you know, I think I think Chuck O'Bannon might have gotten hurt in this game. I know, or he he suited up, stepped on the court, and stepped right off the court and didn't see the, the court again. So I haven't seen the reporting on that. If he took an injury or maybe was testing out an injury and it just wasn't going to work. Um, but that's something to watch going forward. He gave TCU some big minutes um, in that Baylor game, certainly. 
and is a key piece off the bench for TCU to to really get what it's what they want to do going forward. I don't know, Russ, if you saw anything on him, if he yeah, took an injury. On, on Chuck O'Bannon, Jamie Dixon said that he was dealing with an illness in mm, okay. uh, the days leading up to the game and uh, clearly just wasn't feeling it in the first half because he came out of halftime and, and didn't play a single minute in the second half. So, yeah, de- dealing with an illness and – Thankfully for O'Bannon, at least, TCU doesn't have a midweek game this week. The next contest will be at Iowa State Saturday. That's I think that's probably the toughest game that TCU has remaining on the schedule. Um, Without a question. But uh, coming off a, a Texas game where you struggled with turnovers, that's not what you like to see going into a, a rematch against an opponent that turned <clears> you over 26 times uh, earlier in the season. Um, from a individual standpoint, this game, Emmanuel Miller was the leading scorer for TCU at 15 points. Five rebounds was the only TCU player with five or more rebounds in this game. Avery Anderson had 13 uh, Trey Tennyson and Jacoby Coles each had 10, another double digit scoring game off the bench for Coles. Um, really pleased with that. I think if he can continue to get hot and be, you know, he and he and Nelson will probably be taking turns being the sixth man for, for TCU going forward. But uh, both of those guys, as we've discussed several times before, are integral pieces of this team and are very important to their success. So TCU currently stands at 16 and 6 on the season, 5 and 4 in the Big 12 again at the halfway point of the conference schedule with Iowa State coming up on the road and um I'll I'll ask you this last question here Anthony about TCU basketball. Are we where we thought we would be in this season? 16 and 6, 5 and 4. In the top half of the conference standings, TCU, I believe, in sixth place right now in the Big 12 out of 14 teams. Has this season so far uh, exceeded expectations, met expectations, or do you feel that TCU maybe left a couple things on the table? Yeah, I think in the conference play, you have to feel happy about what TCU has done. Um, You know, in this conference to already have banked this number of wins. You have a win over Houston, which is massive. Um, Even with it coming at home, that's a huge, huge win uh, for the resume, for the conference, all of that. So I think you have to be pretty happy. I think overall, you're probably slightly below what you would have liked at this point. Um, Mostly because you drop the Nevada game, you drop the Clemson game, uh, those are continuing to look worse day by day as those two teams keep losing. Um, and very well may be like competition for bubble spots down the stretch. So I, that I think overall for the season, you're probably slightly below what would be like happy. Um, you know, I think if you win this game, you're probably slightly above happy, uh, maybe even more than that. But I think right now it's kind of treading water towards like, okay, we're we're okay, but this could be a lot worse. 
Um, but wishing that you were in a little bit better spot. Yeah, I agree with you about the Big 12 standings being five and four. I think if you can finish at 11 and seven or at worst 10 and eight in the Big 12, I think that'll be uh, a big chip on the shoulder, some some nice feathers to have in the cap. And and with the Big 12 tournament as well, at the end of the season, there's an opportunity there to possibly pick up one or two more important wins. The, the non-conference results, it kind of stinks because TCU, I think, has played much better basketball since that lineup change when mm-hmm. uh, Trey Tennyson was moved into the starting lineup. Uh, Jameer Nelson was moved to the bench. Out and then, in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the, the Nevada loss, the Clemson loss are much more worrisome in the grand scheme of things than losing to Cincinnati on the road or even this Texas loss at home. Mm-hmm. Um, all I'll say about the Big 12 schedule moving forward is none of these games can be taken for granted. I mean, even West Virginia or UCF. No I mean, way. That's, yeah. That's a UCF Those are tough games. Kansas, uh, West Virginia has, has picked up big wins in conference play. So, and I mean, TCU almost lost to Oklahoma state. So it's, it's a brutal conference. We've said it before, but to be halfway through and have a winning record in conference, I think is a big, uh, a big gold star to have on the, on the resume. And, you just hope that everybody continues to stay healthy. I think excluding Chuck O'Bannon with the illness, uh, Jacoby Cole seems to be playing better. You don't have any big injuries, knock on wood, like you had last season with Mike Miles Jr. having to miss time. Uh, and then Eddie Lampkin being kind of in and out of the lineup as the, the second half of the season progressed. So uh, hopefully that continued, the, the continuity can continue to help TCU as uh, we'll see what the Frogs can do this weekend at Iowa State. I'm sure the Cyclones will probably be favored by heavily favored. I don't know five five or six points at least would be my guess. Definitely. But we'll we'll ultimately see what happens there. So uh, with that, TCU men's basketball talk will be tabled for the rest of the evening. We have some TCU football to get into here. A lot Let's of exciting go. stuff to talk about beginning with the 2024 football schedule release. The Frogs have their opponents for 2024. We're still a little ways away from getting spring ball started, but it's never too early to talk about football season. And TCU will be kicking off 2024 with a Friday night game at Stanford. The the Cardinal making their ACC conference debut Friday, August 30th. TCU playing on the road. The Frogs will come back home for a a bye game against Long Island University Saturday, September 7th, and then opening up Big 12 play the the new new Big 12 with a home game against UCF. KJ Jefferson making his uh making a trip to Fort Worth to take on the Frogs Saturday, September 14th, and then TCU and SMU uh maybe for the last time ever uh at SMU Saturday September 21st another ACC game for 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 TCU uh going on the road to take on the Mustangs and then uh one that I think TCU fans should be really excited about Saturday September 28th at Kansas although it's a neutral site game because 
Kansas is uh, undergoing construction on its football stadium. So the Jayhawks are going to be playing their Big 12 home games at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, home of the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you're a TCU fan or you live in the area, you want to watch some good football, that's that's an exciting opportunity to to go up there and cheer on the frogs in what is known as the loudest or one of the loudest NFL stadiums in the entire league. So that's a that's a big one. And with Jalen Daniels coming back as well, would would really like to see TCU in Kansas going into that one four and one or even five and oh on the year. I think that game would be a lot of fun. Kicking off October with a home game against Houston, October 5th, a bye week after that, and then hitting the road for a game at Utah. Welcome to the new Big 12 Utah Utes. Uh, That's uh, a revival of the Mountain West days, TCU and Utah. That's that's another game that should be really fun. Following that up with Texas Tech at home, October 26th, at Baylor, Saturday, November 2nd. Home against Oklahoma State on November 9th, a second bye week in the middle of November before the schedule ultimately concludes with a home game against another newcomer, Arizona, on November 23rd, and then the Frogs going to Cincinnati on November 30th. I mentioned a lot of teams there, a lot of dates, but Anthony, looking at that schedule, what are your thoughts about it? What excites you the most about it? My first thought on this is I'm not sure I could have drawn it up much better for TCU. I think all the things that we worry about as TCU fans when the schedule comes out are are pretty well avoided here. You don't have really bad buys. Um, the buys come in very nice times. You don't have that brutal winter game. Um, you know, at Cincinnati in November is as bad as it gets. And, you know, I think on the scale of things, maybe if you trade that at Cincinnati for like at Baylor, you, you might, if you ended the season with the, uh, with the revivalry instead, that might've been a little more interesting, but overall, I think this sets up very nicely for TCU. Um, you know, I'm not trying to get too far ahead to say this is a this is a 12 and 0 schedule uh, mm-hmm. but but you know i think if if tcu is going to have the kind of team that is capable of that this schedule sets up in a way that allows a very good season to happen i think you get the bye week before the trip to utah which is in my mind that trip to utah coming on that day i mean that's Ooh, it's fall break here. I might have to try to convince the family that we need to spend fall break in Utah. I don't. I don't know that that'll go over so well. But uh, I, man, that's gonna be that's gonna be one crazy game. Um, and and I, I hope both teams are kind of operating at full speed and and you know going to that game ranked and, and looking to uh, make waves in the Big Twelve. That that is. That's certainly the game that I was most looking forward to. Like, where are they going to put this game? How how is this going to fit on the schedule? Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's in a a perfect time slot um, for both teams here to to maximize the excitement. Um, you know, I think your only back to back road games are uh, you know a, a forty minute drive to Dallas and a neutral site in Kansas City. Um, so you don't have that like true back to back. 
uh, road trips that can be a super grind and like, you know, you're late in the schedule and, and you're beat up. And so you don't have that situation. Um, I'm really excited about the schedule. Obviously when, whenever the football schedule comes out, it, uh, it's, it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm ready for it to be here. Let's fast forward. Let's get August here. Let's, let's get through uh, fall camp. Um, there, there's a whole lot to happen between now and then to really know where these teams will be, where the Horn Frogs will be, uh, as a football team. But, a lot of reason to be really excited here. I think the UCF game is going to be really fun. I think early in the season, that's fun. You've got the, uh, the 2010 national champions versus the 2017 national champions there. I think that's a, that'll be, that'll be a good one. The first ever matchup between the two teams. So I don't, I don't know. I, I hope their fans come and travel, come check out Fort Worth. Um, you know, I, it, it'll be fun. It, we got to see, I guess BYU fans are are it's old hat coming to Fort Worth, at, uh, you know, after the Mountain West days. But getting some of these um, the the new teams to come into town, Houston coming in this season, Arizona coming in uh, to Fort Worth, getting to host these games that you know are ha- have never been on a TCU home schedule before. It, it's pretty exciting. Um, getting Oklahoma State back in Fort Worth is exciting. So. Ah, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for every one of these games. I don't know if we've talked about LIU being added to the schedule. I think they kind of snuck that one in there, uh, under the radar. That is one of the lower rated of the, your FCS, uh, potential opponents. So it's not like TCU is going out on a limb and playing North Dakota state or something. So that, that should be one of those where you, you have your, your far away road trip, uh, your your trip to the Atlantic Coast Conference goes to the Pacific Time Zone. I love that um, to open the season, but I, I I don't know. I don't have any complaints here. I don't think I think the Big Twelve did a very good job of presenting a fair and balanced schedule to TCU, and I'm not sure we've said that in you know the all the whatever twelve years that TCU's been in the conference. Yeah, I love the way that the schedule is laid out for TCU. I think it's, as a whole, I think it's similar to 2023 in that you had more of your easier opponents over the first half of the schedule, and then things get tougher over the second half. And in theory, you think you 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 start the season off strong and you get into a rhythm and you're playing well to where you have to face those good teams like a Utah or an Oklahoma state and you're playing at the top of your game and you can take, uh, take those wins. Um, the bye weeks. Yeah. Having a bye week in October and November is, is huge. And also getting a, an extra day of rest at the start of the season doesn't hurt either with uh, Stanford on Friday and then following that up with a, a Saturday game against uh, LIU. UCF with KJ Jefferson coming to Fort Worth. I think that'll be exciting. Uh, Kansas is one that, I mean, I, I look at these first six games. UCF, I think, could pose some issues. They could be a good team. Yep. I think Kansas could definitely pose some problems because TCU and Kansas always seem to play close games. It's been that way for over a decade now. Um, I think if TCU can find a way to beat those two teams, there's a real possibility the Frogs could be 6-0 and going into the Utah road game, which 
if if Cam Send Rising, Gabe Day there again, let's go. If, if Cam Rising comes back and is healthy, and I mean, we saw what Utah could do without him this year. They they really hung tough and were in the rankings for for most of the season. That could be a really really fun game. Uh, Oklahoma State that that overtime game from 2022. I'll always remember that game. Such a fun game to watch. The way the Frogs came back, winning it in overtime. I'm sure that game will be just as entertaining. Arizona to me is a huge wild card. Uh, losing their head coach Jed Fish. I'm not sure how many of their players are also. It doesn't seem like many of the players are really not the biggest names. Fish. Yeah, the the biggest names at least are staying. You know, their their quarterback and superstar wide receiver are both staying. So yeah, so I think Arizona still has a chance to be pretty solid. No Kansas State on the schedule for TCU. Uh, no Deion Sanders and his Louie luggage. Colorado not on the schedule either. And and no Iowa State, no Arizona State. So I think, yeah, look, looking at the schedule and, I mean, you have Baylor. Is Baylor ever going to take the step forward that they, they claim they can? Uh, I don't know. I think this is – Dave Aranda may or may not be a lame duck coach this coming season. Um, we'll see how that shakes out for, for Baylor. But And then Cincinnati was – arguably the worst team in, in the big 12 last season. I don't know how promising things are looking there, but th- there are definitely some teams on this schedule that can pose serious threats, but should TCU make the necessary progressions? Should TCU improve on the defensive line, uh, adapt to the new defensive coordinator, Andy Avalos and his scheme. If Josh Hoover takes a big leap forward, with the the skill talent that's coming back at wide receiver, I, I don't want to do the same old song and dance that we did last year, but th- there's a lot to like if TCU can come out and execute and play at a high level. I, I don't know if I'll go into making a prediction as far as wins and losses go, but I think win, you have win, to be win, 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 you, you win, have win. to be pretty happy. I think I, I'd go as far as to say if you can beat UCF and Kansas at the start of the year. I think 6-0 and going into Utah is a real possibility. Um, yeah, I mean, SMU is going to have a good team again. I mean, they're, and, and that's going to be, a, as it always is, like a, an emotional game and, and one that they're going to be very up for. Um, I think it comes right before they the Mustangs play Florida State. Um, I think they have a, a bye week before, and then they play Florida State after. So, you know, it's maybe SMU in their new conference is already looking ahead to uh, to bigger fish to fry um, for for their conference season. Um, But, you know, that's that's always a landmine just because the rivalry and, um, you know, they're they're returning a pretty good team as well. Yeah, the, the Florida State fans are going to be uh, in for quite a quite an awakening when they arrive in Dallas and they, they see all the all the great things in Dallas, the skyline, and and then they show up at that SMU football stadium and, and they'll probably drink that that concourse dry yeah. by the, the six minute mark in the first quarter. If if Texas State if Texas State can drink that stadium dry, just wait until the Florida State fans show up. That's that's going to be a, a sight to behold. But yeah, I, I think the, the schedule shapes out to be 
pretty pretty solid for TCU. And we, we have a ways to go. We still have spring ball coming up and uh, a whole lot of time for things to materialize. But the, the schedule, I think, is exciting. Um, a lot of exciting matchups and some some real good yeah. prospects for, for TCU to, to take a, a much needed step forward in what will be Sonny Dyke's third year as head coach. A couple more things before we move off the football schedule. One is looking at this schedule, if TCU misses a bowl again, it's a disaster. I mean, there's, there is no, 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 no excuse. Um, You know, I think Sonny Dykes earned a little bit of rope um, with obviously taking a team to a national championship. Yes. You, you have earned a lot of leeway and a lot of grace. But you follow that up with a really bad 2023. If if you go into this schedule and don't emerge, ah, you know, if you miss a bowl, I I don't want to go too far. You know, I think depending on how teams end up actually getting to the conference championship and and whatever like big big goals, uh, we don't know yet. But if you can't win six games off of this schedule, it's Man, I, it's going to be problems in Fort Worth, I think. So the other thing here, it's it is jarring, and maybe this ties together with with that point of seeing seeing a Big Twelve schedule for the first time in a long time that doesn't feature Texas, and in particular doesn't feature Oklahoma. I mean, to feel like those were the games you were always looking to like, okay, where are these going to fall on the schedule? That's going to determine how particularly Oklahoma, if you go in and win the Oklahoma game, then you know, you're in for a good season. Um, You now don't have that like true litmus test. Um, I suppose going to Utah in the middle of the season is that is going to be that test um, for, for TCU this season. You know, I don't I don't know if that's going to be the case for every team. If it's going to be Utah, I think avoiding Kansas State, uh, avoiding Iowa State, you you maybe have some of the those big landmines off your schedule. But it, it does feel like, um, you know, seeing the reality of a Big Twelve football schedule that doesn't have the big bad wolf sitting at the end of it. Um, with with Oklahoma in particular as a team that very much owned TCU throughout the the time in the conference, um, it feels like oh yeah TCU these are the games TCU should go and win and you know I guess we'll just have to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent We'll we'll see what the Big Twelve is really made of as Texas and Oklahoma depart and head to the SEC and. I'll also be intrigued to see how Texas and Oklahoma in their first season in the SEC, how they, how they shake out. I mean, Texas has been making plenty of waves in the transfer portal in the wake of Nick Saban retiring and all the, all the things that have been transpiring there. Kalen DeBoer leaving Washington. Texas Uh, should win the national championship next season, period. If they don't win the national championship, they failed. Yeah, we we talked about it on a previous episode, I believe. Uh, After the national championship, we talked about some of our favorites, and and Texas was up there. Oklahoma has has made fewer waves, I'd say, in the portal. 
but there there'll still be plenty of talent there. So uh, plenty of exciting football to come. In the in the current moment, though, there are some TCU players that are getting ready for the 2024 NFL Draft, and we've been following some of these college football showcase events throughout the offseason. There have been a, a couple of smaller ones, like the Hula Bowl and the College Gridiron Showcase, where TCU had a few players participate in those. But the last few days have seen two of the most notable showcase events, the East-West Shrine Bowl which was held on Thursday in Frisco, Texas at the Ford Center. TCU had three players participate in that, Mark Perry, Andrew Coker, and Willis Patrick. And then the Senior Bowl on Saturday, so yesterday, in Mobile, Alabama, at the University of South Alabama's football stadium, Brandon Coleman, Jared Wiley, and Imani Bailey participated in that game. No Josh Newton in the Senior Bowl, unfortunately. Uh, from what I read, he he was taken off the Senior Bowl roster like several other players were, maybe uh, some some injuries preparing for the draft or maybe other circumstances, but it was, was kind of a bummer not being able to see Josh Newton out there. I felt that could, be a, could have been a, a big opportunity for him to continue to showcase his skills, but some some really positive things coming out of these two games for the TCU players. Mark Perry had a, a really solid week of practice, big pass breakup late in that game, reportedly talked with as many as 25 NFL teams and seems to be a, a player that's on the radar for, for nearly every team in the league. So uh, perhaps Mark Perry is a, a day three lock in the NFL draft coming up. Willis Patrick, Andrew Coker, both of them had some really nice plays in one-on-one. I put together an article, posted it to Frogs of War earlier today uh, about the Senior Bowl, and then Friday, I believe, about the the East-West Shrine Bowl. A lot of highlights on social media, clips of the players uh, doing one-on-one training, skills drills, 11-on-11s, scrimmage-type settings. And Willis Patrick had some really nice plays. I I think Willis Patrick is going to be one of those guys that doesn't get drafted where he should because of the position that he plays. He's probably a guard in the NFL. And I think those interior guys, they tend to go later in the draft than the tackles just because tackle is a little bit more of a premium position. But Willis Patrick is someone who I think will be on an NFL roster at the start of next season. Uh, Even if it's a, a second string role or a third string role, I think he's a guy that's, that's going to be on an NFL roster. And then fast forwarding to the Senior Bowl, Jared Wiley was voted as the practice player of the week on Team American at the tight end position, had a, a really nice one-handed grab that made waves on social media during practice. Imani Bailey was outstanding in the first quarter. He had four touches in a row, ran for about eight yards, caught a pass for 10, 12 yards, picked up a first down, and then had back-to-back carries, picked up another first down. Uh, he had some big plays in practice as well. There was a clip that I posted. He ran a, it was a one-on-one. He ran a wheel route and just, just burned the dude off the line of scrimmage. And the quarterback threw a really nice ball, but it, it was a play where if that's, if that's in a live game, that's six points. Uh, Bailey also had several plays in practice where he was finding the holes. He was showing great vision, great burst. And, you know, he, he like Patrick, I think is going to be someone who, will be on an NFL roster. I think he'll he'll get drafted probably later than he should because 
He's a smaller running back. I think he came in with an official me- a measurement of 5'7". So he's he's not as big as as some of these other running backs, but uh, really did some great things during senior bowl prep. Brandon Coleman also had some good drills. He was playing, I think, pr- predominantly left guard. I saw a couple of clips where he was doing some nice things. So I've read a couple of mock drafts or scouting reports that suggest maybe Brandon Coleman could be a day two player. I I think it would be nice to see him maybe sneak into the third round. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if, I'm, I like Brandon Coleman a lot. I'm not sure if he's a day two guy. I guess we'll wait and see, but he's a very versatile player. I mean, he played guard, he played tackle at TCU. I think he's probably a guard in the NFL level, but uh, did some nice things and just, it was a lot of fun to see some of these guys like last year. I mean, TCU had a big, crop of players get drafted and participate in some of these events. So uh, to see TCU, even though the 2023 season didn't turn out the way we thought it would to have six guys play in these two bowl games and come away with some, some big positive news and positive highlights was, was really exciting to see. Man, I'm excited for Amani Bailey. I, I really hope he gets a chance. Um, You know, I don't know running back position if he'll get drafted or where he'll end up um, <clears throat> and what what kind of opportunity he'll get in the NFL but man seeing him kind of put on some electric plays in in the practice videos and then in in the game uh, it's just it's fun I'm I'm excited for him I'm really looking forward to what he can accomplish going forward and and Back to the Shrine Bowl, I think Mark Perry has earned himself at the very least a uh, preferred UDFA spot. Um, You know, a lot of that, hey, I'm meeting with every team. Um, He's going to need to have his phone ready because if if his name's not called on the draft night, he'll he'll be getting a phone call immediately um, to to join uh, somewhere in an NFL camp to get an opportunity to go earn that spot. So I think I think he's working his way into that, and and he put on every bit of, uh, you know, what he needed to do. I think some of his numbers in the in kind of the the testing in the sprints and and all of that were mm-hmm. looking really good. I don't know if he'll get an invite to the combine, um, but to be able to put on out that kind of tape and then. Um, you know, when when it comes to TCU's pro day, he'll have another chance to to meet with all the teams again and show out again in in those drills. I think um, he's probably someone who's climbed up a lot of boards that maybe he wasn't even on boards previously. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what how far he can continue as well. Hmm. Yeah, of the seven guys, and again, Josh Newton uh, unfortunately didn't play in the Senior Bowl, but he's still a guy that I think will be drafted pretty highly and there will be more chances to see not only these guys but possibly even some of the other guys like Jamoy Hodge and others at the TCU Pro Day which will be probably in a month or so I'm not sure if any official details are out yet about TCU's 2024 Pro Day but that'll be in the not too distant future and then of course the 2024 NFL Draft uh, which is always a, a weekend long spectacle will be very exciting to see ultimately how many of these TCU guys hear their names called. So uh, with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up football talk for this evening. We have a few more items that we are going to be hitting on beginning with TCU women's basketball. 
uh, hosting the Kansas Jayhawks yesterday after TCU's game against Texas. Another game where the Frogs are without Madison Connor, who's been out for the last few weeks with a knee injury. But TCU finding a way to not only stay competitive, but TCU is in a great position to come away with this win against Kansas. Had a four-point lead going into the fourth quarter and just struggled down the stretch. Kansas outscores TCU 24-13. to in the fourth quarter and ultimately hands the frogs a 81 to 74 loss. But TCU had several big contributions from players like Sidney Harris, again, stepping up with a huge game, 22 points, six rebounds, Agnes Emma Nopu, 18 points, eight rebounds, Una Yovanovic, 10 points, seven assists, and then Tara Manamaluga, eight points and eight assists. So these are all players really with the exception of Agnes, Emma, and Opu, who uh, were, were taking on lesser roles at the start of the season or weren't playing at all that are coming on now and stepping up, making big plays, and filling the stat sheet. So it's really a, a credit to Mark Campbell and his staff, the way that TCU is in the wake of all of the injuries and all of the uh social media headlines and the walk-on tryouts and everything, the forfeiting of the games, the fact that TCU has come back, not only picked up that win over UCF uh, last week, but in a position to win that Texas Tech game with a big first quarter and in a position to win this Kansas game with a really strong showing over the first three quarters. It's, It's really only been two bad quarters from TCU over these last couple of games, you get outscored 24 to 13 in this fourth quarter against Kansas. And then you get outscored 25 to eight in the second quarter against Texas tech. If, if that doesn't happen, you're, you're probably winning both of these two games. So to, to, to continue to be competitive and not just get blown out in some of these big 12 games without your top three players really says a lot about not only the coaching staff, but the players and how these players are making the most of their opportunity opportunities that maybe they wouldn't get early on in the season with everybody healthy. So really excited about Sidney Harris, really excited about Agnes Emma and Opu and uh, Una Yovanovich is someone who's been starting all season. She transferred in from Cal state Fullerton was uh, taking on very, very much a reserved role in that starting five with, so many great players around her like Madison Connor and Sedona Prince and Jaden Owens, but starting to uh, become more of a facilitator for this team and also seeing an uptick in the scoring column as well. So uh, the TCU women moving to 15 and six overall, two and eight in the conference, but two more opportunities to get big 12 wins this week. TCU will be at Oklahoma to take on the Sooners Wednesday and then returning to Schollmeyer Arena to host the Texas Longhorns on Saturday. It will be a purple out game. So if you are in town and you want to watch some basketball, go to Schollmeyer Arena on Saturday and wear your purple as TCU will uh, look to take that one against Texas. Take your white horns down T-shirt and go dip it in some purple paint and bring it back to Schollmeyer next Saturday. Yeah, uh, you know that's a that's a game against a, a, a extremely talented team. That if you if you go out and figure out a way to win that one, um, you know things 
things can get kind of interesting. Um, it would be terrific if Madison Connor were back healthy for that one. Um, I guess, I guess we'll wait and see, but you have to love what you've seen from Sydney Harris, particularly coming off the bench. Um, just, she has been on fire. You know, she comes off the bench and just starts draining threes, lighting it up, uh, from all over the court, um, has been, you know, a real revelation here in, in the games since the, uh, the injury shutdowns. So, um, like you said, getting all these players so much experience, I think will pay dividends for the long-term future of the program. Um, you know, it may, it, we may not see it this season, um, but for this team to be uh, as kind of behind the eight ball as it is right now and being competitive, very nearly winning these two games in conference, um, it, it says a lot about what Mark Campbell is is putting together here in Fort Worth. And rounding out the podcast this evening, the non-rev sports that are back in action, TCU men's tennis most notably, picking up a couple of big wins over the last few days over Stanford and Tennessee. Anthony, I will defer to you here. Uh, I know there's Rifle going on, winning the, the conference championship, uh, some other programs, equestrian, swimming, track, but uh, take us through the the tennis that you saw this weekend, and just uh, how big were these two wins for for TCU going into the ITA indoor nationals? Yeah, I mean, TCU took a four zero lead to to go ahead and win. They I think they played it out. I think it they ended like five two um, against Stanford, uh, who was ranked number fifteen going into that contest, and and looked extremely strong. I mean, uh, Jack Pennington playing out of the two spot it has been had been uh dominant through that point um and TC when the doubles had been dominant and looked like a, an unstoppable str- train uh running full steam ahead then <clears throat> Tennessee comes to town number 6 ranked volunteers and with lots of ranked singles players, ranked doubles squads. So one of those teams, Tennessee is a team that will be absolutely competing for the indoor national championship next week. They are in that field. Uh, They will be one of the favorites there. They will be competing in the outdoor. They'll be competing for the SEC championship. This is very much one of the top competitors nationally um, here in Fort Worth today, uh, Sunday. and. TCU fell into a pretty deep hole. Um lost the doubles point 2 to 1 um and in in very competitive tennis. I mean just the the absolute skill level be on display out there on the purple courts. It was I it, it was terrific. I mean both of these teams uh were going fully back and forth. Um, Jake Fernley from the, from the one spot, he loses the first set, uh, seven, five, I think, and bounces back to win the next two sets. And as that is happening, TCU just keeps kind of winning around him. And, um, eventually, uh, Tomas Urasek kind of dominates his contest to, to close this thing, to give TCU the four, three comeback win after dropping, falling behind three, nothing three, one. Um, it was, it was just some, some of the most 
incredible tennis being played uh, at the at the highest level that you'll see at the college level. Uh, there's, you know, there won't be many regular season games that are that competitive. I don't think so. Um, really exciting tennis. TCU next. I, I don't think the I was looking today. I don't think the bracket has been announced yet for for the ITA um, nationals. Is a couple weeks away. They may have a game. I think they they might have a game or two between now and then. I'm not sure. But um, going into that nationals, um, five and zero on the season with two big time ranked wins here in Fort Worth. I think. Uh, have to be one of the one of the teams to watch to to potentially go get a third straight national championship out in New York City uh, in a couple weekends. Mm. Yeah, a tremendous amount of resiliency shown from the TCU guys in this Tennessee match, and uh, the Frogs will be looking to defend their ITA Indoor National Championship. So we will continue to keep tabs on that. And just a reminder to everybody listening that uh, we do follow all of the programs. On our website, frogsofwar.com, men's basketball, women's basketball, non-rev sports, and more. Uh, as Anthony said earlier in the episode, we're going to have spring sports here. Before we know it, baseball, getting preseason top 10 uh, rankings. It's going to be really exciting. It's going to get very busy here within the, the next month or so. Uh, but we appreciate everybody once again tuning in here on the Frogs Up TC Sports podcast. We will go ahead and... Close out this evening. We appreciate all the support as usual. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook and Twitter at Frogs of War. Again, frogsofwar.com. Be sure to read our content there and continue to listen here on the Frogs Up TC Sports podcast. Charlie Hustle is our sponsor. Check out the content, check out the the clothes at charliehustle.com. Use that promo code Frogs of War. Get 15% off your order. Daily Fantasy Sports, download the PrizePix mobile app or go to prizepix.com and use that promo code FROGS12 for a 100% deposit match up to $100. With that, we will go ahead and sign off for the evening. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North, and we will sign off with a FROGS UP. Get your FROGS UP.